Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Wrap-Up Live, where I, Orrin Weisfeld, am here solo today. Uh, the other guys couldn't make it. They're on very busy, busy schedules. But hey, I'm happy to be here because we are fresh off a Raptors win. You don't get to say that often these days. <laughs> the Raptors' first home win in five games. They were 0-5 in their last five home games. And uh, they beat the Phoenix Suns 113-104. to in a very much needed win after things have been spiraling downwards for the Raptors. Uh, but man, was that that game just felt so long to me, like in a good way, like that game just had so many twists and turns and you really didn't know which way it was going to go until the very end where any team felt like they could have won the whole game through, which is kind of what we asked for in this league of ours. So yeah, man, really, really exciting game. I mean, really, really uh, just just a nail biter. You didn't know what was going to happen. But then this happened. A man, a seven foot three man by the name of Christian Coloco had never made a three in college, had never made a three in the NBA um, with about a minute left in the game. And the Raptors up three. Uh, he hits this. He hits this shot. Uh Gary Trent Jr. drives, sees someone in the corner. I'm not sure if he knew who it was. Turned out to be Coloco, who had never hit a three. And Coloco takes it without hesitation, despite there being, you know, 12 seconds on the shot clock at this point. Um, it's a bad shot. I'm not going to lie. Like, if that didn't go in, I would have. And I think most people would have been like, man, why would you take that shot, given his history? But hey. If you hit it, no one can say anything to you. And and yeah, it gives you a little taste of what Coloco can maybe turn into because, man, I mean, the form looked nice and clearly he's been working on it if he's comfortable enough to take it at this point in a game with a minute left in a, in a in really the most pressure packed game the Raptors have probably played this season just in terms of how badly they needed a win. So I love how confident he is that he took this shot. And more than anything, I love that it went in so. Props to Christian Coloco for hitting his first career three. You see how everyone on the team celebrated the bench, but also the guys on the team are on the floor. Uh, it was a great moment in a Raptor season that really, really needs great moments. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him. Um, but yeah, let's let's get into the game. So here are the team stats. The most eye popping number for sure is going to be total turnovers. <laughs> The Suns turned the ball over 27 times. They averaged 14 a game this season. They have Chris Paul, so they're always Chris Paul teams are always really low turnover teams. And that was not the case tonight. Um, Chris Paul, I'm gonna talk about him more because he was really good tonight. But yeah, like I, I think it's fair to say he's lost a little bit in terms of some of that ball 
uh, just taking care of the ball because 27 turnovers is pretty much unheard of from a Chris Paul-led team. But at the same time, tons of credit goes to the Raptors. Their defense tonight was just the ball pressure was there all night. And like there were some defensive breakdowns towards the end of the game, especially. But at least the ball pressure was there. Sometimes, again, behind the play, the, the rotations weren't quick enough or, or two guys went to the same guy and left someone open. Um, and I think that was a lot of fatigue on the second night of a back-to-back. But the effort was absolutely there all night. And the ball pressure, again, is what causes 27 turnovers and uh, 34 points off of turnovers for the Raptors. So that's that's nice to see. Um, but... It was a close game, and it was it was after the 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 Memphis loss. There was a lot of talk about effort, and I was thinking today how in the Raptors season it's been like to me. There's been two types of losses. There's an effort loss where the guys don't play hard enough. Nick Nurse calls them out in the media, and then the next kind of game they'll usually come out and play with really good effort. And then it'll be a shooting loss. And it felt like that was heading in this direction where they'll play with really good effort defensively. But for some reason, this season, guys are not hitting shots. And today, 33% from three compared to 46 for the Suns. Um, and it really almost killed the Raptors tonight. Like they had so many open looks, not just at three, also at the rim, but mostly like from three that they just were not able to knock down tonight. And I was it was heading in a direction that like, man, if the Suns win this game after throwing 27 turnovers and the Raptors getting, they ended with 10 more possessions or 10 more field goals on the night. That would have been devastating to lose this game uh, due to the shooting. Thankfully, the Raptors pull this one out despite bad shooting. Um, It is getting later and later in the season. And it's like, what point is this shooting going to turn around? That's probably a bigger question. I kept feeling like it's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to come. And and now I, I'm starting to question stuff. Do guys have legs? Are they too tired to shoot? I, I don't know what the problem is, but something weird is going on. Back to the Raptors, though, like credit to Gary Trent Jr. I was thinking today how we made this rule on this show. The wrap up guys did that. We weren't going to give the Can-Am tax man of the night to pascal siakam this season because he's just so clearly their best player and if we did that um we would just give it to him every night so my can-am tax man of the night i'm doing it right now it's gary trent jr because he was the raptors best player today and there hasn't been a lot of games where you could say that especially with siakam in the lineup but man 35 points on 50 percent shooting uh and four made threes he even had a few good passes that one to Thad didn't end up in an assist, but it was really good. He also had three steals on the night. He was just you felt. Yeah. Canamtax.com. Go to the top of the screen. Get your get your taxes done there. It's tax season right around the corner and they do a good job. Um, you know, you pay them a bit of money and they get you back a lot more money than if you were trying to do it for free on one of those apps. So go to canamtax.com. But yeah, Gary Trent Jr., man. It just felt like every time he shot the ball today, it felt like it was going to go in. And like there is a different confidence you have as a team down the stretch when you have someone that hot. And I was thinking like with about six minutes in the game or something like a Gary Trent Jr. check back into the game. And I was like, you know what? I'm confident they're going to win this one because he was playing so well. And I felt like every time he shot the ball, it was going in. 
And when you have a guy like that, again, it just gives you that confidence that you're probably going to win this game if it's going to go bucket for bucket down the stretch. The Suns didn't have anyone who was on that sort of heater that Gary was on. So I, I just felt a certain sense of confidence. And and man, Gary, Gary's just been on a heater in general recently, almost pretty much since they moved him to the bench. He He really just something clicked in him. And he's been so, so good for the Raptors. Um, more pressure defensively on the ball, forcing turnovers. Um, defensively, still too often, I think his his matchup gets an easy shot on him where he's just not tight enough to it. Um, his screen navigation leaves on it to, desi- to be desired at times. But man, the defense has definitely been bre- better over the last little bit. And the shot making is so important for a Raptors team that needs threes. He's literally the only one hitting them consistently. OG's not, Fred's not, Scotty's not, Pascal's not, Bench isn't. Like, he's the only one. And so what he's doing is so important. And nine free throws tonight, I'm pretty sure that's the season high for him as well. Um, He was fantastic. Siakam was really good. Um, The shot wasn't falling tonight, but we're pretty used to saying this. I mean, six assists. He, he just kind of was operating offensively and every time he left the game for like three minutes the Raptors completely fell apart and defensively actually give credit to Siakam he was on eight and a lot in the post and just doing a great job it didn't feel like it was a Mitch match it didn't feel like you needed to send a double um Scotty came alive in the second half like he usually does had a huge offensive rebound had a huge three let's see if I can find it he had a huge three late in the game where he just stepped back kind of and, and had a, and the defense let him shoot it. And, and then he, he took it. That's not the play. Um, but yeah, Scotty came alive in the second half. Again, he needs to start with the same energy that he finishes with, but it was a, it was a pretty good game for Scotty. I liked his attention to detail uh, defensively. He was okay. And he gave them what they needed down the stretch. So, so that's good. But, I, I do want to talk a bit about OG Ananobi and just he he really had it going early this game and it was nice to see that. But I feel like since Pascal got back, like OG was playing really, really well when Pascal was injured. And we we kind of said he's taking this big leap and he was. And since Pascal's gotten back, OG has kind of been again hidden and, and just kind of a spot up shooter, you know, every once in a while they'll run a play for him, but I'm starting to wonder a little bit what OG and Pascal's offensive, you know, chemistry is. Do they make each other better? Because I love both of those players and they're both extremely talented players who are still getting better, but you do have to wonder it's been enough time now dating back to the Tampa season where I just don't think the two of them have enhanced each other offensively this season. You've seen the Raptors go to basically splitting those two up a lot. So OG will go to the bench and then Pascal will go to the bench and OG will come back in. They've done that more than ever this season. I think in large part to get OG going a little bit more with bench units, but yeah, at a certain point, I just wonder like, do these guys enhance each other offensively? Theoretically, they should. Pascal gets OG a ton of open threes. They can both drive, shoot, um, pass. But it just it hasn't worked in actuality in a really long time. So I am starting to wonder about that a little bit. Because 
say what you will about Gary, and he's the one who's been a popular trade candidate. I mean, he's on an expiring, so that's part of it. But but Gary and Pascal, the Raptors' best player, who they should be building around, they do have a pretty clear offensive chemistry, I, I think. You know, the dribble handoffs, the screening for each other, um, it just works. It, it, it frees both of them up, I think, for pretty easy shots when they work the two-man game. OG and Pascal just don't have a two-man game. We've never seen it. Part of that is on the coaching staff. But part of it might just be that those two guys are not perfectly suited to play with each other on offense. Um, I think the jury's still out on that, but I think it's something to definitely keep an eye out on uh, going to the trade deadline and then going to the offseason because, yeah, I, I just think it's really important that those two guys figure out how to enhance each other offensively and if they don't soon, then serious decisions are going to be have to be made around OG and Anobi. Um, because if all he is doing is spotting up when Pascal is on the court, that's just not making enough use of OG's talents, right? Um, he's so much more talented than that, than just a spot-up shooter. So that's, that's I think, the, the, the big reason why. I'm going to talk about this game a little bit more, but please... Drop some questions in the comments. And after in a few minutes, I will get to some questions um, because I'm alone and I don't have that much more to say, to be honest. Let's go to the Phoenix Suns, though. I want to talk a little bit about Chris Paul, who people think he is washed. Um, I, I get that this was one of his better games of the season and he hasn't been all that good this season. He's been injured. But, man, I think we in the NBA community... It, probably in the sports community in general, but man, especially in the NBA, things move so fast that a guy has like 10 bad games and you, and people are like, oh, he's old, he's washed up, his career's done, trade Chris Paul, get Devin Booker help. And it's like, nah, probably give the guy some time. He's like 35, whatever, 36, 37. Chris Paul was masterful tonight. Like you might not like him, you might not love the grifting, the the swiping the ball for fouls, but he was the only reason they were in this game. Like, just a crazy performance. 12 assists from him, 20 points, three made threes. But more importantly, every three that the Suns generated was basically Chris Paul finding a guy wide open from three because he's a master. I mean, he's a master with in the pick and roll. He's a master manipulating guys with his eyes, with subtle ball fakes, um, he had the Raptors on a string for, for significant portions of it, of this game where defensively they were pretty helpless against him. And yeah, it's nice to see. I'm a big Chris Paul fan. And, and I think the, the notion that he was washed came way too quickly from Suns fans and, and NBA fans in general. And this game was a good reminder of like, yeah, Devin Booker's out. And, and I mean, they have a whole bunch of injuries right now, but Chris Paul is still there, and if they can tread water until Devin Booker's back, they're going to be a real threat. This team also has all their picks, um, so they're definitely a trade. They're a buyer, and man, Chris Paul, just just so, so good what he did to the Raptors tonight. He definitely deserves some love tonight. Um, yeah, again, drop some questions. Thanks for tuning in if you're just joining us. Drop some questions in the comments, and I'm going to get to them in a minute. Um, just wondering if I miss anything. No, I, I think I pretty much hit on it. 
quickly on on Christian Coloco, I obviously mentioned him early because I'll play the shot again. He hit just uh, the biggest shot of the night for the Raptors, his first three of his career. But in general, Coloco was just amazing tonight. And I've been very critical on Twitter about Coloco playing all these minutes, starting all these games, and especially playing over Ken Birch, who, you know what? Shout out Ken Birch. He's just a great vet. You always see him on the bench, happy, talking to the young centers who are playing over him. Um, he's a great locker room guy. He, he's just so selfless, and shout out to Ken Birch. But yeah, I've been saying that I think Ken should play over Coloco. He's just a lot more experienced, stronger in the post, stronger rebounder. Um better finisher but Coloco I I guess the vision is that you keep playing Coloco and he just has so much room for growth he's going to get better as the season progresses and he's your best bet to kind of maximize his ceiling by the time the playoffs roll around and there's no doubt he's getting better because tonight was just a great example of maybe the best game of his career eight points three of three shooting which has been a big thing for him just his inability to finish four rebounds um and and Aiton, he he was the primary defender on Aiton, who went two for ten, minus eighteen on the night for four points. So Coloco straight up outplayed DeAndre Aiton tonight, um, and I thought he was really really good. So that's definitely an encouraging sign when we think about the Raptors' season and kind of some of the bright spots in it. Um, it's it's definitely nice to see um, Coloco. That's all I have on the Phoenix Suns game. The Raptors play again on Monday, um, I believe, in Indiana. So that should be a fun one. But yeah, let's get to some questions in the chat. Um, and then we can get out of here. But yeah, question. I, I did see some. So just give me a second for me, can, me to find some. We can't depend on 27 turnovers. We need to hit shots. Yeah, I wanted to address this because this is definitely true. If the Raptors lost tonight after forcing 27 turnovers, it would have been a nightmare like people would absolutely be calling for the team to blow it up and rightfully so if that happened because if you do the one thing you're supposed to do in terms of how the team is built and you still lose then something is probably fundamentally wrong I think something is wrong anyways just based on how close the game was but yeah I mean these there the reality is somewhere in the middle the team needs to start hitting more shots if they want any chance to come back this season, OG Ananobi needs to start hitting his threes. Scotty Barnes needs to stop hesitating and, and taking some of these open threes at the very least. Um, Gary is finally back on track. Oh, Boucher needs to start hitting threes. Hernan Gomez needs to start Malachi Flynn, like on and on down the list. Guys are just not shooting the ball well. And so, yeah, you can't rely every night on turnovers or offensive rebounds. Some nights you just need to be solid defensively and hit your shots. So I hope that the Raptors can start doing that too. What happened to last night's stream? Yeah, sorry about that. We should have deleted the YouTube uh, video because none of us were available to do it. And usually we uh, delete the YouTube video when we're not available. So we will do that going forward. But yeah, sorry. None of us were available. All right. Um That's not true. We haven't been flaking. It hasn't been part of win or lose. Trust me. The only game we missed recently was the Grizzlies game. And again, that was just because none of us were available. Um, we don't choose win or loss when we're going to be here. We do. We just. Yeah, we're we're definitely working on um, 
getting maybe one more person in here so we can be two of us can be here every night uh ideally but don't worry about it we're gonna be consistent rest of the season because you know what i still have faith in the raptors um let's uh, let's see what else Yeah, LeBron Lames said to my point about OG Ananobi, it's because they're guarded by the same type of player, so they don't create an advantage when there's a screen versus a big and a small uh, like Siakam and Gary Trent or Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, I agree. It's much cleaner when a, when a small um, goes and sets a screen for Siakam. That's always worked for him, getting a small guy on him, but... I don't entirely agree because sometimes OG, for example, is guarded by a team center or Pascal is guarded by a team center. So there is still things I think you can do with those two pick and pops, for example, with OG. We've seen actually that in the past, not this year very much, but uh, OG setting a screen for Siakam popping out. If one of them is guarded by the center, popping out for a three Siakam driving, throwing the three, the pass to, to OG at the top of the key and, and hitting a three. So we have seen it. It's just not nearly, it's not natural, I feel like. And and these plays have to be called and they're just not called very often. And, and OG and Siakam don't really go to them very often on their own. Um, do you think Gary's officially back in the starting lineup? This is a good question. By Dal L. Because Gary finally got his first start in a long time tonight. Obviously had a great game, 35 points. And you just you just know, you just feel it when Gary's out there, especially when Fred is not out there. But like you just feel how important his three-point shooting is for especially Siakam when he's driving and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'm not going to say he's officially back in the lineup because I'm not Nick Nurse and I don't make the decisions. And I'm not going to pretend to get Nick Nurse's brain because it's a complex one especially when it comes to the starting lineups he really likes to switch it up so i i don't know and and honestly this stuff is so fluid because precious is coming back if precious comes back and he's good and he is looks healthy and the way he looked at the end of last season and and spry and he's back to being that rim protector we know he can be i think he's the most natural fit in the starting lineup and you can continue get bringing gary off the bench if that's the case but I don't think that's likely to happen in terms of Nick starting precious. So yeah, I think Gary at least deserves a shot here with some guys injured. Um, I I mean, at least if they're, if they're not going to start a big, like last game, they started Wancho and um, who was it? They started Wancho and, was it Coloco? Yeah, I think it was Coloco. I guess that is a big, but I don't know. I think there is utility to it for sure, but at the same time, yeah, if he start if he keeps playing this way, I think you do have to start him. I'll say that. Because when you don't start him and he goes on a heater, you just see these nights where he ends up playing like 25 minutes because he came off the bench and it's hard to finagle a lot of minutes when a guy comes off the bench. And so given how consistent he's been recently, I really do think there's a reason to start him just because that way, if he does have it going, you can play him a ton of minutes. If he doesn't have it going, um, then that's fine. You started him, but that doesn't mean you have to play him a ton. 
Okay, let's get to another question. Does this game, Trey Gager asks, does this game validate Nick Nurse's comments after Memphis's game about the lack of effort? Yes and no. Like, I think the Memphis game was about a lot more than a lack of effort. And so not entirely. This game, they definitely gave a better effort than they did against Memphis and, and a more sustained effort. But I don't think it was entirely fair to just blame that Memphis game on effort. I think it was more so like a lack of execution. Um, there were certainly the plays like in transition where they were just not getting back and Memphis was throwing it ahead and dunking and all that. And that is effort. But when the Raptors tried and when they did play with effort uh, towards the end of the game, especially it didn't really matter because they weren't executing enough. They weren't focused enough. They weren't doing the little things when it comes to, you know, finishing plays, getting loose balls. Um, you know, they'll cause a deflection, but then will they actually get the steal? Will they finish in transition? Stuff like that is an effort. It's focus and execution. And so I think that was a bigger issue in the Memphis game. So, yeah, like Nick Nurse's comments. I mean, I'm happy that Nick Nurse called out his team, showed them a film session. He said I had a tough one. He he basically said he yelled at them for a while. It is good to see that they took that to heart and played this way because if they came out tonight and didn't play with any effort, then you could probably say, okay, he might have lost the locker room. Given the way he was tough on them, like he said, and they, they responded to that, that's a positive sign for the Raptors. Like, there's no doubt about it that they're still listening to him and they still respect what he has to say. Um, let's see if there's any more questions. Would you be opposed? Azim asks, would you be opposed to more Jeff Doughton Jr. minutes? Flynn is a better shooter, but Doughton is a better defender. Yeah, I would agree with that just based on his size, but uh, a offense is just simply more important than defense in the NBA. That's my belief. And B like Flynn is a good defender. He's just small. I don't think the difference between him and Doughton is is that significant um, in terms of the actual impact on a game. So if you're asking me if I would play Flynn or Doughton in a healthy rotation where only one of them um, can can find minutes, I would play Flynn because really right now you need shooting more than anything, especially in a healthy rotation when everyone's there. And Flynn is is a significantly better shooter than Jeff Doughton is. Uh Flynn can really shoot it from range now, which is helping him. Short guys need to be able to space out a few feet beyond the three-point line, and Flynn's doing that. Obviously, the last couple of games, shot hasn't fallen, but he's still over 40% on the season, I believe, in the shot. I believe in some of his his ball skills. He, he's just a crafty player, um, can create advantages, can pass, and can really score. So, yeah, I, w- I would still choose, choose Flynn over Downton. But it's nice that they got this guy on a two-way in Doughton and he's a legit player clearly too good for the G league. And um, I think, I think with Doughton now that Champagne has been waived, maybe he gets a real um, contract and maybe he gets that Champagne uh, contract. Let's see. Matt Hogg asks most likely scenario trade to win trade to rebuild or stay as is. I mean, again, I'm not going to like say my opinions on this until the trade deadline is near because just like the Raptors front office, I don't have to make a decision until then. So why would they like 
there's no real point in speculating until closer to the trade deadline when teams start talking and trading because yeah, the Raptors have some time to to figure some stuff out before having to make a decision like that. Timber asks thoughts on Champagny. I mean, he never got a real chance with the Raptors. That's obvious, but that happens all the time in the NBA with 15th men. Um, that's why we always make a big deal about it in the offseason. It hardly ever matters. Uh, this is the business of the NBA. He had a he had a his contract was about to guarantee on January 1st. So the Raptors chose to not guarantee it and get rid of him. It sucks, but it happens. I hope he bounces back. He is a really nice guy. Like I've, I talked to him a couple of days ago in the locker room. And yeah, I mean, he was close with a lot of guys on that team like Pascal and Scotty. And he yeah, he seems like a really nice guy. So I'm rooting for him and I hope he I hope he finds another team. And I'm sure he will. I'm sure he'll at least get another two way soon. Would I be opposed to keeping Gary? We need shooting and he pairs well with Siakam. Yeah, I agree with Azim. Um, I'm not opposed to it, of course. I think if the right trade comes where a guy is a better fit and maybe on a better contract, you have to consider it. Uh, like if a team is desperate to grab Dick Gary, but I'm not opposed to keeping him at all. And and if the Raptors think that they can re-sign him this offseason and they think they're close to him in terms of they're close with him in terms of agreeing to a new contract in terms of the number, then sure. Like don't trade him. Hold on to him. Um, Gary's getting better. He's 23. He, he's absolutely getting better. So while I definitely have had some issues with him and I think the fit isn't as clean as it po- could be uh, with a backcourt of him and Fred, I, I sometimes think it's a little small and, and defensively not great, but he's getting better. He really gives them some added shooting. So Definitely don't think you need to trade him by any means. Okay. That's it. That's it. Thanks. Thanks so much, everyone, for uh, tuning in. Again, for the people who are asking about our uh, YouTube streams that got deleted, I apologize. Uh, We did it for the Grizzlies game recently. No one was available. We are trying to be consistent and I, I really promise going forward this season, we're going to be more consistent. And especially if we have a stream scheduled, we will cancel it as soon as we know that we're not going to do it. So people aren't waiting there. Um, but yeah, hopefully we don't have to cancel many streams going forward. Cause again, we're working on, um, we're working on something so that we can have more people available and because we want to do this consistently and ideally not alone. Uh, so Yeah. But yeah, it means a lot that you guys are still listening, tuning in, and we really appreciate all the love. We appreciate it if you can like the video, subscribe to the Raptors Republic YouTube channel. If you're listening on a podcast app, uh, give the the Rapcast five stars. We appreciate your. We read all the all the reviews and and appreciate them. So yeah, that's that's it for me tonight. Though again, thanks so much for for tuning in here, and we will be back on Monday. Uh, when the Raptors play the Indiana Pacers. Good night.